The ACB Braille Forum, Volume 52, November 2013, Number 5. Published by the American Council of the Blind. Narrated by Mark Delgado in the studios of the Cutting Corporation, Bethesda, Maryland. This recording is tone indexed. The beginning of each item in the table of contents will be indicated by a beep audible when your cassette player is in fast forward or rewind. The American Council of the Blind strives to increase the independence, security, equality of opportunity, and to improve quality of life for all blind and visually impaired people. Kim Charlson, President. Melanie Brunson, Executive Director. Sharon Lovering, Editor. National Office, 2200 Wilson Boulevard, Suite 650, Arlington, Virginia, 22201. 202 4675 0815081 fax 7034655085 website http://www.acb.org the acb braille forum trademark is available in braille large print half speed four track cassette tape data cd and via email subscription requests Address changes and items intended for publication should be sent to Sharon Lovering at the address above, or via email to s l o v e r i n g at acb dot org. The American Council of the Blind (trademark) is a membership organization made up of more than seventy state and special interest affiliates. To join, contact the national office at the number listed above. Those much-needed contributions, which are tax-deductible, can be sent to Attention Treasurer, ACB, 6300 Shingle Creek Parkway, Suite 195, Brooklyn Center, Minnesota 55430. If you wish to remember a relative or friend, the national office has printed cards available for this purpose. Consider including a gift to ACB in your last will and testament. If your wishes are complex, call the national office. To make a contribution to ACB via the combined federal campaign, use this number, one 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 five five. For the latest in legislative and governmental news, call the Washington Connection toll free at eight hundred four two four eight six 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 five p.m. to midnight Eastern Time, or read it online. Copyright two thousand thirteen, American Council of the Blind. All content created initially for use by ACB in publications, in any media, on any website domains administered by ACB, or as a broadcast or podcast on ACB radio, archived or not, is considered to be the property of the American Council of the Blind. Creative content that appears elsewhere originally remains the property of the original copyright holder. Those responsible for creative content submitted initially to ACB are free to permit the materials to appear elsewhere with proper attribution and prior notification to the ACB National Office. Table of Contents. President's Message. Committees are the strength of ACB. By Kim Charlson. Side One, Tone One. Riviera Hotel and Casino Overview. By Janet Dickelman. Side one, tone two. Mardi Gras ACB style, by Jim Irock. Side one, tone three. Accessing the E Forum. Side one, tone four. Using NFB Newsline to access the ACB Forum, by Bob Hache.
Side 1, Tone 5. Convention Attendees Discover New Worlds in Columbus by Sharon Lovering, Doug Powell, Denise Colley, and Ron Brooks. Side 1, Tone 6. 2013-2014 ACB Scholarship Winners by Michael Garrett. Side 2, Tone 1. Banquet Attendees Discover the Lore of the Appalachian Trail by Sharon Lovering. Side 2, Tone 2. How to Give More People Access to Conventions and the Information Disseminated There Compiled by Artis Bazin Side 3, Tone 1 ACB Mini Mall's November Nuggets by Carla Rushable Side 3, Tone 2 Shop Amazon, Support ACB by Linda Yax Side 3, Tone 3 Shoppin' Without Droppin' The Holiday Auction is Comin' Side 3, Tone 4 Affiliate News Side 3, Tone 5 Reader's Forum The Universal English Braille Code by George Griller Side 3, Tone 6 Letter to the Editor Side 3, Tone 7 Here and There Edited by Sharon Strakowski Side 3, Tone 8 High Tech Swap Shop Side 3, Tone 9 Forum Subscription Notes You can now get the Braille Forum by podcast. To subscribe, go to the Braille Forum page on www.acb.org. If you do not yet have a podcast client, you can download one from the Forum page. To subscribe to the Braille Forum via email, go to www.acb.org slash mailman slash List info slash braille forum hyphen L. Are you moving? Do you want to change your subscription? Contact Sharon Lovering in the ACB National Office, 1 800 424 8666, or via email, slovering at acb.org. Give her the information, and she'll take care of the changes for you. Keep up with the HAPS when affiliates stream conventions at www.acbradio.org world. ACB Radio Mainstream has blindness-related news you can use at www.acbradio.org mainstream. President's Message Committees are the Strength of ACB By Kim Charlson much of the work of the American Council of the Blind is done by the hard-working members of our many committees and task forces. ACB's staff is small but determined, and there are only so many hours in the day for them to get the work of the organization finished. If not for the members of the dozens of working committees, the many tasks that need to continue moving forward every day all year long would be severely slowed down or not get completed at all. As ACB's new president, one of the first tasks I tackled was the review and appointment of members to all of the ACB committees across the organization. It really takes quite a bit of time to review, evaluate, and determine who wishes to continue to serve, who wishes to step down or serve the organization in another capacity, and in some cases, reorganize or restructure the committees to ensure that they address the full scope of the organization's needs. I wish to express my personal thanks to all members who have served on ACB committees, both in the past, present, and now into our future. 
all have made a real contribution to the critical work of ACB. Now moving forward, everyone who will be serving on our new committees has much work and opportunity ahead to shape the direction of the organization and advocacy for the future. Much more detailed information on each committee and task force can be found at www.acb.org, where you will find mission statements outlining the scope of work for all committees. Below is a list of the many ACB committees that work so hard for this organization. I am hopeful that you will gain a better understanding of the diverse areas ACB committees cover and the scope of their work. ACB Store ACB Radio Management ACB Strategic Planning Groups Advocacy Services Auction Audio Description Project Awards Constitution and Bylaws Convention Coordinating Convention Programs Credentials Education Task Force Employment Environmental Access Health Issues Task Force Information Access Internet Oversight International Relations Investment Durward K. McDaniel Committee Membership Monthly Monetary Support Multicultural Affairs Public Relations Rehabilitation Issues Task Force Resolutions Resource Development Scholarship Sight and Sound Impaired Committee Transportation Voting Issues Task Force Walk Web Task Force and Women's Concerns Committee Often, our committees identify issues that we need the help of the membership to impact, whether that is a phone call to your congressional representative, an email to a technology company expressing your concern on the lack of accessibility of a new software product, or a letter to a governmental agency expressing your opinion about new access guidelines. Your help does make a difference. Don't feel that your one little phone call won't have an impact. It does. Letters, calls, and emails from real citizens on the issues make a huge difference, and that is the true power and influence of ACB. Each and every one of you and your strength as a citizen. Don't underestimate your influence in the advocacy process. You have a powerful message and strength and influence that will always be important to ACB. Through our collective membership strength, we can make so many things happen for people who are blind all across the country. Please join with me as the next vital call for action comes out asking for you to advocate through calls, letters, or emails. Take the five minutes to make a phone call. Don't forget to send off that email or drop a short note with your personal story. It will make a priceless difference in our work. We need to continue to work together to make our issues rise to the level of importance to get action. One of my favorite Helen Keller quotes says it best, Alone we can do so little. Together, we can do so much. Riviera Hotel and Casino Overview by Janet Dickelman The weekend of September 28th was brimming with fun and work as members of the 2014 Conference and Convention Committee visited Las Vegas during the fall board meeting. We visited potential tour sites, discussed volunteers, sponsorships, and area information with the host committee, and met with hotel staff. After spending a few days at the Riviera, we are all very excited about what the hotel and the area have to offer. Hotel Details The hotel is in the shape of an O, with an outdoor pool and large seating area in the center. Convention attendees will have rooms in two towers, the Monaco, which is totally non-smoking, and the Monte Carlo, 
in which there are some floors designated as smoking floors. All sleeping rooms feature complimentary internet. Hotel guests will also receive free parking. Meeting rooms are on the first and second floors of the Riviera in the hotel's convention center, which is conveniently located between the two sleeping room towers. For those who enjoy slot machines and blackjack, the hotel features a large casino. For those who prefer not to visit the casino, if you stay in the Monaco Tower, you do not need to walk through the casino to reach the meeting rooms or restaurants. Food at the Riviera The hotel features several restaurants, all located on the first floor. Wicked Vicky's Tavern and Banana Leaf Cafe feature all day breakfast as well as lunch and dinner. Both restaurants offer a selection of appetizers, burgers, sandwiches, salads, and entrees. The most expensive entree is under $20, with most items in the $10 to $12 range. Banana Leaf Cafe also features several Asian dishes, from chow mein to curry. Our Steakhouse and Seafood is the hotel's fine dining option. The Riviera also houses a food court. Options at the food court are always subject to change, but currently feature Chinese, Indian, Italian, and Mexican food, as well as burgers, sandwiches, and pizza. Riviera Retail Shops The Riviera houses several stores and businesses. The ABC store sells toiletries, souvenirs, snack items, soda, bottled water, and liquor. All items are very reasonably priced. Both men and women can get their hair cut and indulge in other beauty treatments at Celebrity Club Men's Barber Saloon and Ziba's Beauty Salon. There is a florist where you can purchase flowers to bring to your wedding at the Riviera Royale Wedding Chapel. Learn all about magic and purchase items at Las Vegas Magic Shop. You can even get a tattoo at Three Lions Tattoo Studio. I was told they do excellent work, but personally don't plan to find out. Sweets If your affiliate, company, or group would like a suite at the Riviera, please contact me directly. I will handle all reservations for sweets. Reservation details Room rates at the Riviera are $87 plus tax. Single and double, plus $10 per additional guest. Room taxes are currently 12%. Make telephone reservations by calling 1 800 6343 How? Send a blank email to acbconvention-subscribe at acb.org. For 2014 exhibit information, contact Michael Smitherman at 601-331-7740 or amduo at bellsouth.net. 2014 advertising and sponsorship information is available from Marjorie Beeman. You can reach her at 512-921-1625 or via email oleo50 at hotmail.com. For any other convention-related questions, contact Janet Dickelman, convention chair, at either 651-428-5059 or j-a-n-e-t dot d-i-c-k-e-l-m-a-n at gmail.com. Mardi Gras ACB Style by Jim Erock.
The most famous place to celebrate Mardi Gras in the United States is in the city of New Orleans. But it is not the only place to go for a carnival atmosphere. Mardi Gras tradition is strongest in America, where French and or Catholic communities settled. The popularity of the New Orleans Mardi Gras party atmosphere has also meant that many big cities and communities throughout the U.S. now celebrate Mardi Gras as a way of getting through the last cold days of winter and looking forward to spring. While Mobile, Alabama has the oldest Mardi Gras, St. Louis claims to have the biggest Mardi Gras event outside of New Orleans. Soulard is St. Louis' best known Mardi Gras party. But there are a number of other balls and parades that take place all over St. Louis when it's Mardi Gras time. It is the backdrop of St. Louis Gateway Arch that saw the culmination of the collaborative efforts of several Midwestern states to launch a successful leadership training in August 2011. Dubbed the ABCs of ACB Leadership, each agenda item worked around this theme and provided a cohesive and meaningful conference experience. Building on the momentum of this conference and the successful national leadership training held at the 2012 ACB Conference and Convention in Louisville, Kentucky, Several individuals from the states of Illinois, Iowa, Michigan, Minnesota, Nebraska, and Oklahoma have gotten together to discuss having another Midwest Conference Mardi Gras weekend in 2014. The host hotel is the Hyatt Regency St. Louis at the Arch, 315 Chestnut Street. Room reservations are now available and can be made online at https://reweb.com. p a s s k e y dot com slash go slash Midwest Leadership, or by calling one eight 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 four two one one four four two. The conference dates are February twenty eighth to March second, and the group rate is ninety nine dollars plus tax. This time we are reaching beyond the Midwest to invite affiliates and people who could possibly benefit. Please begin thinking about who would benefit most from a program such as this. Guidelines for consideration include, but are not limited to, having a scholarship winner who has expressed genuine interest in and follow through with projects. Perhaps you or board members are new and need to share the experiences of others. The festivities begin Friday, February twenty-eighth, with an icebreaker. Some of the topics being discussed Saturday, March first, include running an effective meeting, protocol and etiquette. Membership recruitment and retention, legislative advocacy, fundraising, and public relations. We will conclude with a Saturday evening banquet. If you're looking for a singularly effective means of increasing affiliate membership, training tomorrow's leaders, improving the ability of current leaders, and creating a vibrant, active, and empowered state affiliate, look no further than ACB's leadership training seminars. If you have further questions, would like to help in the plenary process. Or need more information about the conference in general, please contact the committee at acbmlc two zero one four at gmail dot com, or Jim Irock by calling the ACB of Nebraska Omaha chapters share a fare line at four zero two eight two seven nine eight one four. When you mention Mardi Gras in St. Louis, many Missourians think of Soulard, home to one of the largest Mardi Gras celebrations outside of New Orleans. The Soulard festivities last for weeks, ending on Fat Tuesday. And while the Midwest Leadership Conference's festivities won't last indefinitely, it is hoped the knowledge, wisdom, and benefits gained help to create tomorrow's leaders today. Accessing the eForum. Have you been reading our new and exciting ACB eForum? 
If you've missed it, there are several methods for you to check it out. You can do this by using any of the following methods. Subscribing to the email version. This can be done by going to the ACB website, selecting ACB email lists from the quick links on the left side of the page, then selecting brailleforum-l from the list of email lists, and typing in your email address and name where it asks for them, and selecting subscribe. Going on the ACB website, www.acb.org, and then to the Publications and Media link. Select the year and then the month of the issue you wish to access. It can also be downloaded from the site in Braille-ready format, text, large print Microsoft Word, and in a zipped file format. All issues of the ACB Braille Forum and eForum are also available on NFB Newsline, referred to hereafter as Newsline. To find out how to access Newsline, see the article entitled Using NFB Newsline to Access the ACB Forum elsewhere in this issue. The Newsline is also carried on many radio reading services. Check with your local service for specific times. Using NFB Newsline to Access the ACB Forum by Bob Hache. Did you know that the forum is available on NFB Newsline, registered trademark, referred to hereafter as Newsline? That's right. All issues of the ACB Braille Forum, including issues of the eForum, may now be accessed on Newsline along with hundreds of newspapers and magazines. Newsline turns the printed word into electronic speech and can be accessed by anyone with a telephone who is eligible based on disability. Anyone who is a patron of the Braille and Talking Book Library is also eligible for Newsline. To subscribe to Newsline, call your local Talking Book Library or call the National Newsline office at 1-866-504-7300. For Newsline subscribers, here's a step-by-step guide for accessing the ACB forum. 1. Log into Newsline and press Option 7 for magazines. 2. Press Option 1 for blindness-specific content. 3. Press 1 again for the ACB forum. 4. Choose either Option 1 or Option 2, depending upon which month's issue you wish to read. There should always be two months available for listening. From here, you can press 10 for the introduction, including Table of Contents, and 11 for the articles. 5. Once you're in the list of articles, use the following commands to navigate. Press 1 for previous article, 2 to restart the current article, or 3 for the next article. Press 4 for the previous sentence, 5 to restart the current sentence, or 6 for the next sentence. Press 7 to slow down the speaking rate, 8 to change speaking voices, or 9 to increase the speaking rate. Press star for the previous menu, 0 to pause speech, or pound for help. Anyone who wants more specific help using Newsline may contact me at 781-893-6251. I will be happy to help get you started. Convention Attendees Discover New Worlds in Columbus by Sharon Lovering, Doug Powell, Denise Colley, and Ron Brooks. Attendees at the American Council of the Blind's 52nd Annual National Convention experience the kind of shift most folks associate with the change to daylight savings time. Except this was a shift in days. The convention's opening session was held on Saturday. Saturday. Pomerantz called the session to order and introduced Vicki Prayan, 
chair of the local host committee. On behalf of the local host committee, I do welcome everybody to Columbus, Ohio, Prayan said. I hope everybody is here having a good time so far. She thanked the host committee members for all their work. Pomerantz then called upon Linda Wyman, immediate past president of the ACB of Ohio. On behalf of Nolan Crabb and ACB Ohio, I want to welcome all of you, Wyman said. We hope that you'll all have just a wonderful, wonderful time here in Ohio and my hometown, Columbus. After the introductions, Pomerantz gave his report. He reminded his listeners that at the close of convention, he would no longer be ACB's president. He thanked the staff in the Virginia and Minnesota offices for all their hard work, and mentioned that July 19th would be Eric Bridges' last day. He also thanked the officers, board, and board of publications members for their work, along with the ACB radio staff. Pomerantz mentioned the BOP ushering in a new era of electronic communications, thanks to the ACBE forum, which was launched earlier this year. Regardless of how we may feel about the ubiquity of communications via the Internet, it is here to stay, and ACB has no choice but to get on board or be left at the proverbial station. ACB is expanding its presence on Facebook and Twitter, too, he noted. For those lacking computer access, the e-form is available on NFB Newsline, registered trademark, and ACB is working on making it available on radio reading services nationwide. For the text of the President's report, see President's Message, a turn of the page, ACB e-forum, July 2013, or go to www.acbradio.org slash node slash 43 and select the Saturday General Session. He reviewed various legislative successes and talked about the success of structured negotiations, including Weight Watchers and Walmart. He mentioned Melanie Brunson's participation in the crafting of the World Intellectual Property Organization's treaty to create access to books worldwide. He also discussed his activities with the World Blind Union and his being elected vice president of the North America-Caribbean region of that group. Pomerantz informed his listeners that this year was the 75th anniversary of the Organización Nacional de Ciegos Españoles, ONCE. He mentioned that Miguel Carballeda, ONCE's president, had fallen and was unable to attend the convention. However, he had recorded his speech, which was translated by David Sturton. ONCE is a project we can be proud of, Carballeda stated. It's a historic project by blind people in Spain to secure our emancipation through one single organization. Without ONCE, we would still be marginalized, trapped in poverty. He gave a brief history of the organization, beginning with its founding during the Spanish Civil War. Following a presentation by Diamond sponsor Vanda Pharmaceuticals, Alan Casey introduced this year's first-timers, Frank Ventura of Massachusetts and Guillermo Robles of California. Pomerantz then presented life memberships to Geraldine Arnold, Evelyn Trixie Flippin, William Freeman, Ann Brewer, Tamika Polk, Alexa Poli, Denny Huff, and Dan Sippel. Pomerantz called upon Jean Mann for the first credentials report. Most of you did a very good job at getting your stuff in on time, and if you had problems, you let us know, Mann said. Montana and South Carolina were not seated this year due to lack of membership lists and or dues. Three affiliates lost votes, CCLVI, Hawaii, and Missouri. She reminded everyone that the deadline for affiliate lists is March 15th. The session wrapped up with the roll call of affiliates. Sunday 
Pomeranz called the session to order. Following the Pledge of Allegiance and Invocation, he called on Marjorie Beeman for recognition of the convention sponsors, from Diamond to Pearl, and the individual titanium sponsors. Then Pomeranz called upon Jean Mann for the final credentials report. Mann chanted, March 15th, March 15th, March 15th. I'll keep saying it, and maybe you'll get that subliminal message. She also reminded affiliates to coordinate new members' information with their dues, and to double-check the spelling of people's names. After a few announcements, Pomeranz called on John Huffman, chairman of the Constitution and Bylaws Committee, for the first reading of several proposed amendments. Two would affect different portions of Article 4. One dealt with signing up to be a member at large online. Following the reading, Pomeranz turned the gavel over to Kim Charlson to preside for the remainder of the session. Charlson called Cindy Van Winkle and Paul Edwards to the dais to present awards. Van Winkle went first and presented the Affiliate Growth Awards. The winners were South Dakota Association of the Blind, 29.4% growth, and ACB of Texas, 54 new members. Paul Edwards quipped, The Board of Publications has one and a half awards to present this morning. He mentioned the competition to name the electronic edition of the forum, and how the BOP found most of the names lacking. He presented the $50 ACB store gift card to Mitch Pomeranz for his suggestion of the ACB e-forum. Now for the real award, Edwards continued. The Ned E. Freeman Award went to Beverly Clifford for Touching Childbirth, which appeared in the fall 2012 issue of The Blind Californian. Charlson next introduced the speech, via recording, of Enrique Perez, second vice president of the World Blind Union. Perez said that the World Blind Union is the internationally recognized organization representing the 285 million blind and partially sighted persons in 119 member countries. The World Blind Union is the voice of the blind, the only one speaking to governments and international parties on global issues concerning blindness and visual impairment in conjunction with our members. The WBU has achieved many things since it was first funded in 1984, such as establishment of the International Development Program with the support of Sightsavers International and the Hilton Perkins Program in the USA, Perez stated. This program continues to undertake leadership training and organizational development work in many countries, particularly in Africa. He also mentioned the work done in Latin America with the help of the ONSE Foundation. Today, I'm most proud to report on perhaps one of our most outstanding achievements ever, he said. History was made in Marrakesh on 27 June with the UN World Intellectual Property Organization concluding a treaty on copyright for visually impaired and print disabled. This was the first intellectual property treaty benefiting the public interest rather than the interest of rights holders. Only 5% of all published books in developed countries, and less than 1% of all published books in developing countries, are ever produced in Braille, large print, and or audio, he noted. The next speaker, Justin Hughes, head of the U.S. delegation to the World Intellectual Property Organization, continued the discussion on the treaty. We did finish, and we're very, very proud to have finished this treaty, he said, mentioning the long name of the treaty. That's a mouthful, but that mouthful actually reflects some of the complex politics that we were facing working on this treaty. Often, politicians will pass laws and think a problem is solved, but that's not the way it works in reality, he added. Hughes briefly discussed copyright basics. Publishers make very few large-type books and they haven't been making until recently navigable audiobooks. 
So although the copyright system gives these exclusive rights to the authors and the publishers, the bottom line is they do not adequately exercise those rights in providing the kinds of materials that visually impaired people need. In 1996, the Chafee Amendment corrected this issue in U.S. law. By 2009, there were 57 countries in the world that had exceptions in their copyright laws for people with print disabilities. 128 had exceptions for libraries. As the administration looked at the issue, staffers realized there was also a structural problem. Access to materials varies from country to country. If you're a Spanish speaker living in Madrid, you have access to at least 30,000 titles through ONCE. If you live in Panama City, Panama, you have access to about 200 books, Hughes noted. And if you're a 10th grader in the U.S., you can get your textbooks in accessible format much more easily than if you were in Durban, South Africa. There have been seven accessible format versions made for the first Harry Potter, he noted. Instead of making one and sharing it, different countries have had to make different versions. So we realized that there ought to be a way for countries to share these accessible format copies that are being prepared, sometimes with great cost. In December 2009, the administration approached WIPO and expressed the need for a better system to share accessible format books across the borders. By mid to late 2010, there were several proposals on the table. Balancing the rights holders' needs with blind readers' needs took a lot of work. By April 2012, when Brazilian President Dilma Rousseff made a state visit to Washington, Obama made a joint announcement with her supporting an international treaty to end the book famine. In December 2012, a decision was made to proceed to a diplomatic conference, but there were still some outstanding issues. One of those was commercial availability standards in various countries' copyright laws. Another was technological protection measures, which was tremendously important for copyright holders. We started on the problem of commercial availability, and to make a long story short, it went really badly. Hughes said. Delegates were able to reach an agreement on commercial availability and pressed forward on the other issues. By about the tenth day, he added, it was clear that the treaty would go through. The treaty will need to be ratified by the Senate, he added. But we need to be honest that it's a treaty, and it's only going to be a meaningful system 10, 15, 20 years from now if there's a lot of capacity building on authorized entities and a lot of training and a lot of legal work is done to explain authorized entities how they exchange accessible format copies with each other. When we gave our closing statements in Marrakesh, we said, Look, folks, this isn't the end of the road. This is the beginning of a new chapter. Charlson then introduced Karen Kenninger, director of the National Library Service for the Blind and Physically Handicapped. Kenninger gave an update on the progress made by NLS in the last year. She reminded her audience about the priorities she'd set. The first priority was to retain the quality of NLS products. Her second priority was to expand the collection, and she briefly described the Tiger Project and acquisition of foreign language materials. She also talked about converting material from cassette to digital format, and about changes coming to talking book topics in 2014. Another of Kenninger's priorities was to use technology to enhance your reading experience. One way NLS has done that was to give Bard a facelift, providing more information about books, a wish list, a previously read list, and incorporating web braille into BARD. And shortly, NLS will be releasing an application for iPhone, iPad, and iPod. An Android app is in development now, due out this winter. Priority four has been to focus on braille. I believe braille is our literacy medium, Kenninger said. NLS joined the Transforming Braille Project, 
looking for a durable, refreshable Braille display. In June, NLS held a Braille summit in conjunction with Perkins to find out what Braille readers want and need. Among those were a Braille e-reader, better and more available Braille instruction, and more tactile graphics in NLS Braille materials. Conventioners next heard from Luke Stedkey, manager of communications and marketing for the Ohio State House. Today, Columbus is the largest city in the state of Ohio, Stedkey stated. But it hasn't always been the case. He took his listeners back to colonial times, when Ohio was part of the Northwest Territory. Ohio was the 17th state to be admitted to the Union, he added. Columbus was formed by the Ohio General Assembly in 1812. Following Stedkey was Oral Miller, talking about the activities available in the recreation zone. Some of this year's offerings included water aerobics, Pilates, and yoga. Monday. Pomerantz called the session to order. John Fleming and several members of the Visually Impaired Veterans of America led the assembly in the Pledge of Allegiance, and Marjorie Beeman listed some of the convention sponsors. The sponsor presentation of the day was given by Dominic Galliano, Humanware's Vice President of Sales USA. Galliano proudly informed the assembly that this year is the 25th anniversary of the company. Following Humanware's presentation, Pat Sheehan, chairman of the nominating committee, gave the committee's report. The 2013 slate of officers was: President Kim Charlson, Watertown, Massachusetts; First Vice President Jeff Tom, Sacramento, California; Second Vice President Marlena Lieberg, Burien, Washington. Secretary, Ray Campbell, Glen Ellen, Illinois. Treasurer, Carla Rushable, Louisville, Kentucky. The convention next heard a proposal to change term limits of officers from three two-year terms to four two-year terms. It failed. End of side one. Side two. The Braille Forum, Volume Fifty-Two, November two thousand thirteen, Number Five. This side contains. 2013 to 2014 ACB scholarship winners, by Michael Garrett, Tone One. Banquet attendees discover the lore of the Appalachian Trail, by Sharon Lovering, Tone Two. Continuing with, convention attendees discover new worlds in Columbus, by Sharon Lovering, Doug Powell, Denise Collie, and Ron Brooks. Pomerantz acknowledged that at this point Brenda Dillon would have taken the gavel, but she is ill and not attending the convention this year. Pomerantz asked the assembly for thirty seconds of silence. After those thirty seconds, he called on Michael Garrett to present the scholarship winners. For more information, see the article 2013 to 2014 ACB scholarship winners elsewhere in this issue. Pomerantz introduced the now confirmed Commissioner of the Rehabilitation Services Administration (RSA), Janet Lebrecht, who goes to Washington D.C. from the Massachusetts Commission for the Blind. Lebrecht spoke of approaching her new post with excitement over the opportunities we face in improving rehabilitation and employment of blind and visually impaired people in this country. Congress is working on revising the Workforce Investment Act, and the rehab sections contained within it. She is committed to the notion that successful rehabilitation will only happen when services are provided in a holistic way, when there is a partnership between professionals and consumers. We also need to be more engaged in the community to increase our visibility, so that we can make communities understand the obstacles to disabled people's full participation. 
Labrick then listed some of today's challenges. Transition services, literacy skills, making services available to everyone, elder blind need new technology, making sure education gives students skills relevant to today's and tomorrow's job requirements. The commissioner has found in Massachusetts that internship experiences serve an important role in successful employment. She will act to identify and disseminate national models for innovation. The next presentation of the morning was from Eric Bridges, ACB's Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs. He had found that his job dealt more and more with technology issues. Certainly, the Communications and Video Accessibility Act, CVAA, and its implementation requires somewhat technological discussions. But along with his legislative oversight, he has been spending much time meeting with companies that have not had accessibility as a major focus. Over the last few years, Bridges and the chairman of ACB's Information Access Committee, Pratik Patel and Brian Charlson, have met with Sprint. They have since changed their customer service and hiring practices. Google. After talking to them and offering to collaborate in making their products accessible, in 2012 they held an accessibility summit with all Google product managers, Bridges, Charlson, and Patel. Apple. ACB is now in touch with the worldwide product manager for accessibility to ensure continued focus and improvement of voiceover and product accessibility. Facebook. Consistent with their 1% credo, always only 1% finished, they previously had no quality assurance whatever. After meeting with them, they now are moving toward quality and accessibility assurance and have an accessibility team. Microsoft. After speaking with them about their inconsistent commitment to accessibility, they are working to add accessibility as part of their corporate accountability measure. Bridges concluded by telling the assembly, We're doing things the right way, pointing out areas where we cannot interface with their products the way sighted people can, declaring that that's not acceptable, but also offering to collaborate to improve their products and services. The last presentation of the morning was from Jerry Barrier talking about the Deaf-Blind Equipment Program. This project is part of the CVAA, specifically focusing on providing the expensive equipment deaf-blind people need to communicate with the world. Barrier works for Perkins, which holds the contract for administering the program. The pilot program is initially funded at $10 million per year, divided between federal outreach, state outreach, equipment purchase, and training. Eligibility is based on the Helen Keller Institute definition of being deaf-blind. A person wanting to take advantage of this program would fill out an application. Then someone like Jerry would go to the applicant's home and do a thorough assessment of their current skills, what they want to do, and what equipment would be needed. Equipment is then bought and delivered, and training takes place. Barrier mentioned that the iPad is currently the most popular equipment for distance communications. Detailed information about the program can be found at www.icanconnect.org. Tuesday. Marjorie Beeman, Advertising and Sponsorship Coordinator, read the list of convention sponsors. Next up was John Huffman, who, assisted by Jay Bader, read two proposed amendments to the Constitution. Mark Reichert, Chair of the Resolutions Committee, introduced the first few resolutions for consideration. Marlena Lieberg was the day's presiding officer, and she introduced the first presenter, Gregory Gorton, talking book narrator with Potomac Talking Book Services, Incorporated, Bethesda, Maryland. 
he reads for NLS as well as Audible Inc. and BBC Audio. He has also done work for the Discovery Channel and National Geographic, as well as some television and independent films. From books, the convention moved on to hear from a panel talking about accessible prescription drug labels in our future. Mitch Pomerantz was the moderator. Panelists included Mark Reichert, Director of Public Policy, American Foundation for the Blind, Annette Carter, CCLVI's representative, and Susan Crawford, U.S. Access Board Working Group Facilitator. Mitch began by reminding everyone that this was the one-year anniversary of the signing by President Obama of the Food and Drug Administration's Safety and Innovation Act, which included our language to establish best practices for the provision of accessible prescription drug label information. The Access Board was charged with putting a stakeholder working group together to produce best practices within a year of the signing of that law. The National Council on Disability will be doing a public education and information campaign to educate retail pharmacists about what these best practices say, what they do, and how they should be used and implemented, as well as reaching out to consumers to educate them about the availability of these best practices and what they can ask for. CCLVI shared its best practices and guidelines for the production of large print documents used by the low vision community. That document has had a great impact on the portion of what is now the report of best practices for making prescription drug container label information accessible to people who are blind and visually impaired. Every element that was brought to the working group regarding large print was accepted and included. Susan Crawford staffed the stakeholder working group and synthesized all of their discussions. The Best Practices Report was presented to the Access Board on July 10th. Once the Access Board accepts the report, it will be posted on the Board's website. All consumers were strongly urged to read the Best Practices Report and go to their local pharmacy and request access to their prescription drug container label information. Following the break, Tom Ludkowski, Vice President of Comcast Accessibility, discussed what Comcast is working on related to access to television. He told the convention that one of the accessible applications on the roadmap for this year is Xfinity Connect, which allows customers to aggregate all of their communications in one application. An iOS version is available now, and an Android version is coming soon. A second application is What's On, which will tell you what's on TV right now, and is a way to get at TV listings. The next release of this app is going to have a filter that will allow a person to be able to limit their view to what's on with video description. Xfinity Player is an app that allows you to find video content that is available on demand and turn it on by navigating through an app. The final product he demonstrated was the Talking TV interface, which will be available in the next generation entertainment platform. It will provide voice-guided navigation through the remote control. It will be in a customer trial in the first half of 2014. The final presentation of the morning was an update on ACB's audio description project by Joel Snyder president of Audio Description Associates. He said they are already working on plans for next year's convention in Las Vegas and are working with producers of Cirque du Soleil to possibly have one or more of their performances described for conventioneers. Over the next few months, ACB will be publishing a book that Joel has been developing as a part of his doctoral dissertation entitled The Visual Made Verbal, an audio description training manual and guide to the history and applications of audio description. He hopes that it will be available at the ACB Mini Mall and on the ACB ADP website by the end of the year. Wednesday After calling the meeting to order, Pomerantz invited John Huffman, 
chairman of the Constitution and Bylaws Committee, to continue his report. Huffman read through three related proposed amendments to Bylaw 7, which, taken together, were intended to clarify the process state and special interest affiliates would be required to use for notifying the secretary of their designated delegates, alternate delegates, and representatives to the nominating committee. After considerable discussion, the body rejected all three proposed amendments. After Huffman's report, Pomerantz turned the gavel over to Carla Rushevel. Rushevel called on Melanie Brunson, who began her report by commending ACB's outgoing Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs, Eric Bridges, for the contributions he has made to blind and visually impaired people around the country and throughout the world. Brunson also commended Sharon Lovering, who achieved 20 years of seniority as a member of the ACB national staff. She praised the ACB national staff as a committed group of high-caliber individuals who stand ready to serve our members and affiliates throughout the country. Brunson then summarized several activities and successes achieved by the national office staff during the preceding year. These included Implementation of the member and donor database in the Arlington and Minneapolis offices. The goals are to make the annual credentialing process more efficient and effective and to ensure better tracking and acknowledgement of donors. As a result of resolutions adopted during the 2012 convention, ACB held meetings with Apple, Google, Verizon, Sprint, AT&T, and others to work on improvements to the accessibility of a range of electronic products and services, ranging from smartphones to iOS and Android apps and more. ACB met with the Motion Picture Association of America, MPAA, to discuss the World Intellectual Property Organization, WIPO, treaty, which was finalized in March of 2013, and to advocate for audio description on commercially available movies, including movies for use at home, many of which do not have audio description. ACB staff continued to work on the public policy front to ensure that past legislative victories result in long-term success for blind and visually impaired people. One example was implementation of the Pedestrian Safety Enhancement Act. Staff continued to advocate for the ratification of the United Nations Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities, CRPD, and for the adoption and ratification of the WIPO Treaty. ACB assisted members and affiliates in a number of other advocacy settings. One example was ACB's work with a local TV station to capture footage of taxicab drivers passing by blind people, refusing service to individuals with guide dogs, and leaving blind people stranded in the wrong locations. Brunson wrapped up by stating that there appears to be slow but steady progress with the Bureau of Engraving and Printing on the development of accessible currency. In the past, the Bureau has conducted focus groups at successive ACB conventions, but now the Bureau is talking about the distribution of money readers as early as 2015 and tactile features in the next generation of currency. Janet Dickelman thanked members of the Convention Committee and the Ohio Local Host Committee, chaired by Erwin Hott and Katie Frederick. She then gave the locations and dates for the next two ACB annual conventions. Las Vegas, July 10th to 18th, 2014, at the Riviera Hotel. Dallas, July 3rd to 11th, 2015, Downtown Sheraton Hotel. Rushville then gave the Treasurer's Report. ACB is meeting its budget for 2013, and investments are doing well. However, annual expenses are exceeding revenues, and this is requiring the ACB to dip into reserve funds. In 2011, the Board established a special reserve fund of $300,000, 
which was intended to be used while the organization worked through the significant revenue shortfalls resulting from the ongoing economic crisis. In 2012, the organization drew down all of this fund, plus an additional $182,000, which came from ACB's investment funds. In 2013, ACB expects to draw another $172,000 from its investments. But this is an improvement over 2012 and represents progress toward a more balanced budget. Rushville stressed the need for more revenue from more diverse sources. Ron Milliman gave a brief report on the results of the monthly monetary support, MMS program, and Dan Spoon gave an update on the ACB walkathon. These initiatives netted ACB more than $120,000 during the previous year and represent great examples of new opportunities to raise funds for ACB. Michael Garrett, chairman of the ACB Enterprises and Services Board, reported on the efforts of ACB's six thrift stores located in Texas, Kentucky, Tennessee, and Wisconsin. Each day, 100 employees serve 700 guests who purchase everything from gently used clothes, toys, and household goods, to rare items, artwork, and furniture, the net proceeds of which help to fund ACB. He did not give annual sales, revenue, expense, or profit totals, but he stated that store managers and staff across the country are working with ACB Assistant Treasurer Lane Waters and the management of ACB's Minnesota office to strengthen the financial well-being of ACB now and in the future. After Garrett's report, Mark Reichert read three resolutions. One dealt with the need for accessible portable document format, PDF files. Another with the need for accessible standalone Kindle reading machines and one which urged the Department of Education to implement guidance limiting the circumstances under which Braille is not offered to a child with a visual impairment. All were adopted unanimously. Thursday After recognition of the sponsors, Pomerantz called on Reichert for the remainder of the resolutions. The first resolution honored Eric Bridges for his six years of work with ACB. It passed with loud cheers and lots of applause. Another resolution, regarding Blind Pride of Texas being denied affiliation with ACB of Texas, was referred to the Constitution and Bylaws Committee. After a few door prizes, the convention continued with resolutions. Resolution 2013-18 dealt with guide dog schools, and the number of alumni on their boards, and it passed after a great deal of discussion. Resolution 2013-20 dealt with guide dogs for the blind, it, too, generated a lively discussion before passing. The last resolution before elections, 2013-07, dealt with CAPTCHAs. It passed after a friendly amendment. At 10 a.m., the convention went to elections. Pat Sheehan reminded everyone of the nominating committee's slate. President, Kim Charlson. First Vice President, Jeff Tom. Second Vice President, Marlena Lieberg. Secretary, Ray Campbell. Treasurer, Carla Rushevel. The first office up for election was that of president. Pomerantz called for further nominations. There were none. Jay Bader moved that nominations cease and that Kim Charlson be elected president by acclamation. That motion passed. Thank you, Charlson said. Your confidence in me is something that I will absolutely not take for granted at any time. I'm honored to be the captain at the helm of the American Council of the Blind but I want you all to remember that you are the members, and you're on this cruise with me, and we're going to do it together. The convention then voted on the office of first vice president. Jeff Tom was elected by acclamation. Next up was second vice president. 
Marlena Lieberg was put forward by the nominating committee. Debbie Grubb nominated David Trott. After the convention heard both candidates' seconding speeches, Sharon Lovering called the roll and the voting team distributed ballots. When all the votes were counted, the winner was Marlena Lieberg, 474 votes, 57.6%, to 349, 42.4%. Following the break, elections continued, beginning with the position of secretary. Ray Campbell was put forward by the nominating committee. Jim Crott nominated Judy Jackson. After the speeches, attendees voted, and the winner was Ray Campbell, 556.5 votes, 67.6%, to 266.5, 32.4%. Carla Rushevel was put forward by the nominating committee for the office of treasurer. After calling for further nominations, Pomerantz received none, and there was a call from the floor to cease nominations and elect Rushevel by acclamation, which passed. Kim Charlson announced her appointments to the Board of Publications, Denise Colley as chairperson, and Ron Brooks. She thanked Paul Edwards and Nolan Crabb for their work on the BOP this year. The convention then took a lunch break. After lunch, the convention returned to elect two members to the Board of Directors, to fill the seats formerly held by Ray Campbell and Jeff Tom, and one to fill the seat formerly held by Denise Colley on the Board of Publications. Burrell Colley nominated David Trott for the first seat. Frank Strong nominated Donna Seliger. Following speeches, the roll call and vote count, the winner was David Trott by a count of 611 votes, 81.25%, to 141, 18.75%. While waiting for the results, Pomerantz called upon Reichert for a resolution. Reichert tackled Resolution 2013-04, which dealt with Common Core State Standards testing for students in grades K-12 through and testing accommodations policies. It passed. Pomerantz called for nominations for the second board seat. David Trott nominated Pat Sheehan. After Pomerantz called for further nominations and received none, Bader moved that the floor be closed and Sheehan be elected by acclamation. After several seconds, the motion passed, and Sheen was elected. Pomerantz then opened the floor to nominations for the seat on the Board of Publications. John McCann nominated Doug Powell. With no further nominations, McCann moved that the floor be closed and Powell be elected by acclamation. After a loud second, the motion passed, and Doug Powell was elected. Pomerantz then turned the gavel over to Charlson, who called on Reichert for the remainder of the resolutions. Record began with Resolution 2013-13, dealing with sub-minimum wages. After a great deal of discussion, the resolution went to a roll-call vote. It passed by a vote of 391, 51.25%, to 372, 48.75%. Record next read 2013-10, which focused on the impact of sequestration on workers at NIB-associated agencies. It passed. The convention also tackled Resolution 2013-08, dealing with the chained CPI system. After two friendly amendments, it passed. After a few door prizes and a break, Reichert brought out Resolutions 2013-11, which dealt with copyright law protections, and 2013-21, dealing with accessible voting machines. Both passed. One, number 21, with a friendly amendment. Next up was Resolution 2013-19, focusing on services for older blind individuals, which passed with a friendly amendment. 
Resolution 2013-17, focusing on diabetes supplies, passed. The next resolution, 2013-15, dealt with pedestrian access issues. Resolution 2013-16 focused on the high cost of healthy snacks for vendors. Both passed. Reichert thanked his committee members, then dealt with the commendatory resolutions, one each for the hotel and staff, convention host committee, and ACB of Ohio, and the volunteers. All three passed. With no new business, the convention adjourned. Captions Mitch Pomerantz pauses for a moment after delivering his annual message to the convention. He's wearing a navy blue suit, blue and white pinstriped shirt, and a blue patterned tie, with an ACB pin on his left lapel. Jean Mann reminds everyone that their affiliate lists and dues are due March 15th. She's standing on stage behind a wooden lectern with a Hyatt plaque on the front. Behind her is the blue and white ACB banner. Paul Edwards presents Mitch Pomerantz with the $50 gift card to the ACB store for his naming of the new electronic magazine, the ACB eForum. Sharon Lovering, standing behind Edwards, smiles along with the others. All three are standing on the stage at the front of the room. Edwards is speaking into the lectern microphone. Behind them, hanging down from the curtain rod, is the blue and white ACB banner. Justin Hughes discusses the complex politics that he and the U.S. delegation faced while working on the World Intellectual Property Organization Treaty in Marrakesh, Morocco, earlier this year. He is standing on stage behind the wooden Hyatt lectern, with the ACB banner behind him. Karen Kenninger holds her digital reading device up to the lectern microphone and pushes play to let the audience hear one of NLS's newest offerings that was both published and recorded in 2013. Janet Lebrecht talks about partnerships between professionals and consumers in successful rehabilitation and employment outcomes. Eric Bridges, wearing a black suit, white shirt, and red tie, discusses the advocacy successes ACB has had in the last year. He's standing behind the Hyatt lectern on stage with the ACB banner behind him. Gregory Gorton, a narrator for Potomac Talking Book Services in Bethesda, Maryland, reads aloud from Who Done It? by John Shieska a mystery about who murdered Herman Mildew. He stands behind the Hyatt lectern mic, wearing a tan suit, green shirt, and patterned tie, and is gesturing with his hands to emphasize part of the story. Mark Reichert and Susan Crawford discuss making prescription drug labels accessible, and their work on the best practices document. Both are seated at a table on the stage. Reichert, left, is speaking into the microphone. Tom Ludkowski, standing behind the Hyatt lectern and speaking into the microphone, tells the convention about Xfinity Connect and other applications that will soon make TV more accessible. ACB Executive Director Melanie Brunson summarizes the activities of the last year, including implementation of the new database. She's wearing a light blue suit with matching blouse, standing on stage behind the Hyatt lectern microphone. 2013 to 2014 ACB Scholarship Winners by Michael Garrett Well, we've come to the end of another cycle for selecting the ACB scholarship winners for the 2013 to 2014 school year. It's always a very difficult process to comb through the applications and supporting documents to select our winners, but this group of deserving students was well worth the effort. Scholarships ranged from $1,000 to $3,000. This year's winners included Hannah Chadwick, California, the Dwayne Buckley Memorial Scholarship, 
Nicholas Corbett, Massachusetts, the Bay State Council of the Blind Scholarship, Derek Reamer, Colorado, the Kelly Cannon Memorial Scholarship, Brooke Jostad, Colorado, the Eunice Fiorito Memorial Scholarship, Catherine Webster, Connecticut, the James R. Olson Memorial Scholarship, Samantha Stoner, Ohio, the Arnold Sadler Memorial Scholarship, Leslie Weilbacher, Oregon, the ACB of Oregon Scholarship, Nathan Cotler, Pennsylvania, the William G. Corey Scholarship, Alexander Foyo, Florida, the Ross and Patricia Pangier Scholarship, Kaylin Kaysen, Kentucky, the Ross and Patricia Pangier Scholarship, Tara Annis, West Virginia, the Floyd Qualls Memorial Scholarship, Ian Cloen, Wisconsin, the Floyd Qualls Memorial Scholarship, Caitlin Hoover, Washington, the Floyd Qualls Memorial Scholarship, Dornetta McConnell, South Carolina, the Floyd Qualls Memorial Scholarship, Joshua Pearson, Massachusetts, the Floyd Qualls Memorial Scholarship. This was a particularly good group of students. They were fun to work with, and they were very supportive and encouraging to each other. Special thanks to the ACB students for mentoring them and getting them involved in the conference convention activities. In fact, Joshua Pearson is now ACBS president. Another student, who had planned to leave early, lengthened his stay, and several others stated that they planned to attend next year's conference. Much appreciation goes to the Minneapolis staff and the scholarship committee for completing the process. We also thank the donors for making these awards possible. Congratulations to the students. May you find peace, power, and productivity as you pursue your academic and occupational goals during the upcoming school year. Scholarship applications for the 2014-2015 school year will be online beginning December 1st. If you know of someone, or believe you qualify, we encourage you to submit an application. Caption The scholarship winners and committee members took a moment for a group photo after receiving their rewards. Top row, left to right. Don Coors, Connor Boss, Bianca Knight, Michael Gravitt, Alex Foyo, Derek Reamer, Nathan Kotler, Michael Garrett, Nicholas Corbett, Joshua Pearson, and Ian Cloen. Bottom row, left to right, Sharon Strakowski, Hannah Chadwick, Catherine Webster, Brooke Jostad, Dornetta McConnell, Mitch Pomerantz, Tara Annis, Leslie Weilbacher, Kaylin Kaysen, and Sarah Conrad. Banquet Attendees Discover the Lore of the Appalachian Trail by Sharon Lovering After a long week of meetings at the American Council of the Blind's 52nd Annual National Convention, members were treated to their choice of grilled honey mustard chicken, bacon-infused meatloaf, or curried lentils with jasmine rice, roasted cashews, and coriander. The banquet opened with music performed by Don Haynes on the piano. Conventioneers were tackling dessert when Mistress of Ceremonies Janet Dickelman called on Ron Milliman for an announcement. We topped $93,110, and that's in annualized dollars, for the MMS program, Milliman said. The assembly applauded. Dickelman then introduced Mary Highland, former executive director of ACB of Ohio, to talk about hiking on the Appalachian Trail, and how she began what she called a hen hike 
There is something about October that calls me to a hiking trip with eleven of my favorite women friends, Highland began. Twelve women, you say? Oh, I can just hear it now. Yakety yak, cackle, cackle, cackle. Well, you wouldn't be too far off. During the group's first trip, the women decided they needed a name, and they agreed on the hen hike. Some of the women balked at the idea, she said, because of the negative connotation of a hen party. But they soon let their sense of humor take over and eventually bought into the idea, calling the oldest member of our group the mother hen, the place where we stay, the roost, and coming up with such rules as no roosters allowed. Why aren't guys invited on the hen hike? There are several practical reasons, including restrooms. Now you might be wondering what it looks like to have twelve women hiking together when half of them can't see. Picture this. Each morning when we get ready for the hike, we pair up with each visually impaired hiker. That's Vip Chick, holding onto a loop or a strap of a sighted guide's backpack. And I call them the Guide Chicks. She mentioned the uses the group found for a hiking stick, including the Guide Chicks holding one end and the Vip Chick holding the other for a sort of guide dog effect. Because we hike in pairs, there's a lot of time for girl talk, she noted. That is, in between, okay, now there's some roots here we're going to need to step over, and watch out for this big rock on the left. There's a tree that's fallen over the trail up ahead, and we're going to have to climb over that, or maybe crawl under it. Whatever you do, don't lean to the left. There's a big drop off. Being a blind hiker takes a lot of trust. But being a sighted guide of a blind hiker takes a lot of courage. Those of you who've been to ski for light know exactly what I'm talking about. Highland talked about the group's first hike. On our very first day of our very first hike together, we came across a stream, over which had been laid a steel beam. This was our bridge? No rail? What we had to do was face sideways with our heels extended over one edge and our toes extended over the other edge. And we locked elbows and scooched ever so cautiously and slowly, inch by inch, to the other side, repeating the ski for light motto: "If I can do this, I can do anything." When the last two hens made it across safely, we all cheered and had a group hug. Ever since that day, we've enjoyed hiking up and down steep hills, over muddy tracks, with roots and rocks to negotiate. Sometimes we hike on leafy forest roads, where we can really stride out and get some miles in. Sometimes we hike on the Appalachian Trail. On rainy days, we hike through antique stores and gift shops. The audience roared. The hen hike started fifteen years ago when I called my friend Julie. She continued, "Julie and I had met at Ski for Light. She was my guide, and we discovered that we had not only skiing in common, but we also both liked to hike." She mentioned reading Bill Bryson's book A Walk in the Woods and being inspired by it. So I said to Julie, "Would you be interested in going on a hiking trip with me?" And to my amazement, she said yes. And then she said, "What would you think if we invited a couple of other gals to go with us?" So we did, and they invited a couple more. And the next thing you know, there were twelve of us. We had to stop inviting people after twelve because you can't get more than twelve women to agree on anything, much less what to have for dinner that night. If you wanted to start your own hen hike, Highland said, find a group of like-minded people with a good sense of humor and the ability to laugh at themselves. The second thing you need for a hen hike is the perfect roost, that is, a bed and breakfast, or at the very least, a quaint old inn. 
The third thing you need for a hen hike is to let the child come out in you. Highland closed by reading the poem she'd written in honor of the hens. Well, I come from the Midwest to be with my friends, eleven other women, and we call ourselves the hens. We cackle and we crow as two by two we go down the Appalachian Trail through the leaves and the snow. We marvel at the colors. We're awed at the sights. Lean to the left. There's a drop-off to the right. Step over those roots. Climb over that log. Touch the pretty moss. Listen to the frog. And when we have to tinkle, we just pull down our drawers. Even our bottoms love the great outdoors. The audience howled with laughter. There's more, she said, laughing. It's time for lunch, so pull up a rock. Loosen your boots and air out your socks. Peanut butter sammies never tasted so good when you're skipping over the rivers and hiking through the woods. Switch your partners now. Get going again. Catch up on the news from yet another hen. Waddle down that path now, two by two, till you get to the roost and take off your shoes. Jump in the tub. Lie on the bed. Get up again for wine and tofuti spread. Now waddle into dinner. Eat all you like. You know you'll burn it off on tomorrow's hike. We don't count calories. We don't watch fat. It's just us hens, and we like it like that. It's the great hen hike. Can't wait to get balk. She finished to tremendous applause. For more information, visit Highland's blog, www.seeingitmyway.com. After a couple of door prizes, Cindy Van Winkle presented awards. This is really a special committee to be on because you know that you often have an opportunity to surprise people, and you also get to read some really wonderful letters written by people who feel passionate about the person or the organization or business that they might be nominating. Van Winkle said, "The first award that we will be presenting tonight is the Robert S. Bray Award. This year, we've heard actually a lot about this company. The recipient was Weight Watchers Incorporated." Accepting on their behalf was Kim Charlson. The next award was the James R. Olson Distinguished Service Award. This person has been a member of this organization for 42 years, Van Winkle said, and some might say that the work they do, the service they do to the blind community, is also in their paid work. But they go way beyond, hours and hours in initiative beyond their work time to build accessibility for technology for all people. This person was pivotal in making sure that Major League Baseball's website was fully accessible. The winner was Brian Charlson. Dickelman next called on Melanie Brunson. I am here this evening because I too have a little presentation I would like to make. Brunson said, "I'd like to take a few minutes of your time, and I hope you will join me to honor a very special person in ACB. We have a person in this room who has given to this organization a lot of her time, talent." Energy, sense of humor, compassion, and has done so for twenty years now. We believe that it is very appropriate for us to mark that occasion with a little presentation to the editor of the ACB Braille Forum, Sharon Lovering. She presented Lovering with a twenty-year pin and a plaque. Jim Irock of CCLVI drew the winning ticket for the Merlin CCTV. The winner was Lynn Powers. Then came the moment everyone had been waiting for. The drawing of the winners of the ACB Braille Forum raffle. The winners were: third place, Tom Samuelson; second place, Roger Peterson and Bernice Kandarian; and first place, 
Library Users of America. End of Side 2. Side 3. The Braille Forum. Volume 52. November 2013. Number 5. This side contains How to give more people access to conventions and the information disseminated there. Compiled by Artis Bazin. Tone 1. ACB Mini Mall's November Nuggets. By Carla Rushable. Tone 2. Shop Amazon. Support ACB. By Linda Yaks. Tone 3. Shoppin' Without Droppin'. The Holiday Auction is Comin'. Tone 4. Affiliate News. Tone 5. Reader's Forum. The Universal English Braille Code. By George Griller. Tone 6. Letter to the Editor. Tone 7. Here and There. Edited by Sharon Strakowski. Tone 8. High Tech Swap Shop. Tone 9. Continuing with Banquet Attendees Discover the Lore of the Appalachian Trail by Sharon Lovering. Captions Mary Highland tells banquet attendees how she became interested in hiking and how she and a friend came up with the hen hike. She stands behind a tabletop lectern speaking into the microphone. Brian Charlson accepts the James R. Olson Distinguished Service Award from Cindy Van Winkle. Both are standing behind the tabletop lectern at the front of the banquet room. Van Winkle is hugging Charlson, who is holding onto his award with one hand and returning the hug with the other. How to Give More People Access to Conventions and the Information Disseminated There Compiled by Artis Bazin this focus call dealt with the question of how to access new information shared at conventions. We discussed methods of getting more attendance at conferences and conventions, both national and state conferences. We also gathered numerous ideas on how state affiliates, special interest affiliates, and local chapters could get the information received at convention to their members. For the national convention, more scholarships through the DKM program would be beneficial. One suggestion was to have sponsorships focus more on getting first-timers to conventions rather than sponsoring parts of the convention itself or offering a special sponsorship for first-timers to companies. Sponsoring new members or students to attend the national convention might be of particular interest to companies wanting to reach new audiences. Sponsorships could be advertised to local business owners for assisting newly blind people to conventions. Sponsorships could give stipends to first-timers or pay the whole cost. Some suggestions to get more attendance for both national and state conventions were Publicity in the local community immediately before and during the convention targeting different populations Seniors losing sight, blind students, and technology enthusiasts Networking with other local community organizations to attract local people to your conference Covering part of the registration cost if members pay for all meals Reminding members and friends that sharing room costs with two or more roommates would reduce the cost of the convention. Urging committees to have extra activities and events that would draw parents of visually impaired students, those recently losing sight, families of people who are losing or have lost their sight. Publicizing these seminars or events to specific groups, low vision clinics and fairs, teachers and parents of the visually impaired and disabled student service centers in colleges and universities. 
Events or seminars with different focus could be planned opposite each other. Exhibits are often a draw for members and recently blinded individuals. Give stipend to members, first timers, or board members to attend state and special interest affiliate conferences and conventions. Asking those who receive them to write an article or give a presentation at the next conference or local chapter meeting. Survey participants to find out what they want: tech, advocacy programs, vision support, low vision fair symposium. Invite eye care specialists. Have employment symposium, panel or experiences in the employment process, what job area and what was needed to get the job. Send convention blast, details of convention, the hotel, what's in the convention program, types of workshops, etc. Send pre-convention letter and newsletter articles. Weekly contact through email or phone messages, eight hundred number like the California connection, WCB announcements. Conventions held in more central locations, closer to larger population centers, and near many transportation outlets. Joint meetings could be scheduled, which would lure new people to attend your conventions. Explore ride sharing, both vans and cars. Use online sharing, such as meetups on topical areas. Using Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter to interest outsiders. Suggest that members invite a friend. Inviting other groups for joint activities. Much convention information is accessible from multiple sources. Audio CDs can be purchased from ACB, which cover the general sessions and many committee-sponsored seminars. Those audio files can also be found on the ACB Radio website after the convention. People can download them to listen and share with others. Members from chapters can share what they learned at convention and play audio files they have downloaded. Affiliates can have their conventions streamed by ACB Radio personnel. Or record all sessions and meetings for the ACB radio team to upload on their site as a cheaper alternative. If your affiliate records all your sessions, these can be placed on CDs and sold to members as a fundraiser. Members can share them with local chapters. Affiliates can upload recorded files to their websites and survey how many access the archives. ACB streams most of its convention activities live, general sessions, and many committee meetings. ACB can track how many people are listening during the convention. Many websites can track how many people access files after conventions. At the beginning of convention, interviews can be taken to highlight upcoming chapter events, state events, fundraisers, and products for sale. Downloads can be played during monthly meetings instead of having speakers. In addition to business, many members of your local chapter would welcome hearing the ACB legislative seminar, the employment committee workshop. The new Braille code changes, seminars on access technology, and general session speakers on current news in the blindness field. With ACB radio coverage available on the internet, members can track what is happening during the convention. The ACB Twitter feed sends regular announcements during the national convention as well. Some state affiliates also have Twitter and Facebook accounts, which give highlights of current news of the affiliate. Chapters and state affiliates can add articles about the national convention and state conventions to their newsletters. You can advertise the fact that members can order audio copies of the national convention and state convention when available. Your state or special interest affiliate or local chapter newsletter can provide the links to important or interesting sessions as well. 
The membership committee can assist your affiliates with membership questions or send you specific information on many membership topics. We are currently looking for members who would be interested in helping us reach Spanish-speaking, blind, or visually impaired individuals. Please contact Artis Bazin, A-B-A-Z-Y-N, at B-A-Z-Y-N-Communications.com, or Cindy Van Winkle, C-I-N-D-Y dot V-W at gmail.com, if you are interested. Stay tuned for our next membership focus call. ACB Mini Mall's November Nuggets Here's what's happening at the Mini Mall this month. Four Paws Gallery Is your dog or cat just too wonderful for words? Give family and friends, puppy raisers, and other gifts featuring your guide dog or pet. Photos can be added to mugs, t-shirts, sweatshirts, magnets, bags, and many other gifts. Make your own ACB treasures. For more information and custom pricing, email us at acbmall at acb.org or give us a call at 1-877-630-7190. Holidays at the Mini Mall Be sure to visit the Mini Mall for our Thanksgiving treasure and our new Christmas designs. Follow the virtual Mini Mall link from the ACB homepage to see what's new. Amazon Bonanza Be sure to read Linda Yak's article to find out how you can help ACB while shopping at Amazon. Very soon, perhaps by the time you read this article, Amazon links will also be available on the Mini Mall homepage for your shopping convenience. Stay up to date. Subscribe to the Mall email list by sending a blank message with the word subscribe in the subject line to mall-subscribe at acb.org. You can reach us by phone by calling 1-877-633-7190 or email us at acbmall at acb.org. Carla Rushevel Shop Amazon. Support ACB. Are you starting to make your shopping list for the upcoming holidays? I have already begun making my wish list and shopping. One of my favorite online shopping websites is www.amazon.com. I no longer have to shop until I drop. I can relax in my favorite chair and browse to my heart's content. I recently learned that I can support the American Council of the Blind while shopping. That's right. You can shop Amazon and a portion of your hard-earned money can go to assist ACB. It is really easy. Here's how. From your favorite internet browser, simply go to www.acb.org ADP. There, you will find information on ACB's audio description project. There is a link called the adiamazon.com associate link. This will take you to Amazon, where you can shop as usual. ACB receives a commission on everything you purchase from Amazon through this link. Described DVDs, games, household products, books, music, and even food. And it doesn't cost you one penny more to help ACB. I have an account on Amazon, and they recognize me when I enter using the ACB links. For the most part, I shop the Amazon main site. However, there is a link to an accessible site, and I do use it on occasion. By the way, spend some time on the ADP page. There is a bundle of very valuable information there for your perusal. You'll find information about audio-described TV shows, movies, DVDs, and much more. Happy shopping!
and enjoy supporting ACB this holiday season. Linda Yaks Shoppin' Without Droppin' The Holiday Auction Is Comin' Don't want to deal with the foul weather or the crowds at the mall? Just sit at home with your beverage of choice, tune in to ACB Radio, and have some fun at the ACB Holiday Auction, to be held on Sunday, December 8th. Don't miss the great deals. The proceeds support ACB Radio. Would you like some scrumptious goodies for the holidays, or perhaps a beautiful wooden bowl and spoon set from Hawaii? How about some Capital Steps humor to humbug all those politicians? Or maybe some wallets handmade from, you guessed it, duct tape. Maybe your loved one is a sports fanatic and you'd like to buy him, her, some Tim Raines or Mark McGuire memorabilia. Whether you are a Norman Rockwell fan, a lover of beautiful Christmas tree ornaments, or a giver of fantastic jewelry for that special someone, we've got it all. If you have something you'd like to donate to this great event, we are always looking for items. If you do, please notify Cindy Van Winkle at cindy.vw at gmail.com. We ask that all donated items, except baked goods, be sent to Lane Waters at the Minneapolis office by November 4th. If you have any questions, call Leslie Spoon at 407-678-4163. As the auction approaches, stay tuned to ACB Radio and the American Council of the Blind website, www.acb.org, for details, as well as for a sneak preview of the items that will be up for sale. Don't miss a minute of the wild and woolly ACB holiday auction. Affiliate News Diabetics in Action Update I am D. Clayton from Pleasantville, Iowa. I was elected as president of ACB Diabetics in Action this July at the conference convention in Columbus, Ohio. I am one of the founders and was the first president of this affiliate. I am glad to be back as your president. I am trying to come up with new ideas to put life in the group and get new members. Our past president, Pat LaFrance Wolf, passed away in June right after our last board meeting before the conference convention. Pat was a great person and was also one of the founders and first vice president when we became an affiliate. Pat lived with diabetes for about 68 years. She was always willing and went above and beyond to help other diabetics with questions or problems if she could. She wrote many articles for the DIA newsletter. Pat will be greatly missed by us all. Perry, we all extend our heartfelt sympathy. I will really miss talking to her about what we were planning for the affiliate. The holidays will be upon us before we know it. If you have a friend or relative that you do not know what to get them for the holidays, why not think about giving them a membership to ACBDA? A membership is only $10 and will be a gift they will have all year. They will be subscribed to the ACB Braille Forum, the DIA Newsletter, and much more. You may not think it is important to belong, but just think if you have a family history or know someone in the family with diabetes, or have a friend who is diabetic, you can learn a lot from our group. Carol Edwards, past president, joined ACBDA. She wasn't a diabetic at the time, but her husband was, and she had a family history of diabetes. A few years after joining, she found out she was a diabetic. She was grateful she had joined and learned so much about what to expect that she recommends you really consider giving a year's membership to someone. In October, ACBDA began its monthly calls. The number is 712-432-3675. 
be sure to follow the instructions to get to room zero. You will hear a couple of messages the first time, but after that, you can skip them if you want. You might want to test out the system before you call for the conference. We also have a list serve. To get on the list, send a blank message to acb-diabetics-subscribe at acb.org, and you will get a message of confirmation. I will put a message on the list giving the date and time of the conference call. You can get a lot of diabetes-related information by joining the list and by participating in the conference calls. Stay safe and eat right over the coming holidays. Reader's Forum The Universal English Braille Code by George Griller As a 70-year-old American, I can yet recall my pre-university-level education, particularly those years from 2nd through 6th grades when daily we underwent Palmer penmanship exercises consisting of uniformly drawing circles and virgules across the paper, line after line, and, from 4th through ninth grade, with almost surgeon-like precision, we diagrammed sentences with increasing complexity. Grammar, which was not our papa's mama, we had to know intimately. Our language is a living language, thank goodness, and living languages change. This also can be applied to our beloved Braille. In the late 1990s, I heard about the UEBC. I researched it. I queried my pen pals both in the United States and internationally. At that time, it was more or less universally felt that the UEBC was being lobbied for only by sighted Braille transcriptionists and not by those of us who use Braille on a daily basis. None of us felt that the rules of Braille were unwieldy. In 1991, I wrote an abstract of my research on the UEBC, which was published in the Braille Forum. For years, I have taught basic blindness skills to adults including but not limited to contracted Braille, grade 3 Braille, computer Braille, and the Nemeth code. There are discrepancies among the Braille codes. It has been my experience that the serious student, including the student with traumatic brain injury, will master and correctly use the codes despite the discrepancies. If the UEBC makes more print readily available in Braille, and if the UEBC significantly increases Braille literacy among the newly blind, then this 70-year-old blind man shall enthusiastically get back to the books to learn this new Braille. My one regret, however, was that when seeking input from blind Braille users, the Braille Authority of North America, BANA, did not advertise an address to where snail mail comments could be sent. Many of my older blind pen pals and I cannot afford monthly costs to maintain computers and email. Happy Thanksgiving! Letter to the Editor The contents of this column reflect the letters we had received by the time we went to press, October 9, 2013. Letters are limited to 300 words or fewer. All submissions must include the author's name and location. Opinions expressed are those of the authors. Re, Where's My Braille Forum? I just read the article, Where's My Braille Forum, in the September issue. And yes, I, along with many other readers, had been wondering where the last three issues had gone. I was shocked, yes, and not at all happy with what I read in that article. We are an organization of blind people, and our literature should come to us in Braille. Many blind people, especially older people, do not have access to electronic material, and some of us who do, including myself, prefer to read in Braille. In the case of the forum, there wasn't even a warning that there would be no Braille copy, we were just left wondering why there was no forum. 
It is a sad day when even organizations of blind people do not put their newsletters, promotional materials, and other information out in Braille. May Davis, Doylestown, Pennsylvania. May, thank you for your letter. The Board of Publications welcomes feedback and suggestions from our readers. There was an article in the February issue of the Braille Forum called "When Less Can Become More," written by Paul Edwards. It said in part, "The Budget Committee informed us that we were going to lose an issue this year because ACB will be operating with a deficit budget, and there just was not enough money to publish the form with ten issues." Some of us did some number crunching and discovered that the difference between the cost of our 32-page issue and our 48-page issue was not very large. So we decided to propose a radical alteration to the ACB Braille Forum. We will be producing six issues of the forum this year, not the nine we were offered by the Budget Committee and Board. However, each of the issues will be 56 pages long, which will allow us to publish more and longer articles than we could with such a small footprint as the one with which we operated. That will actually mean that we will be producing exactly the same number of pages as we did last year, but for considerably less money. I think that decision by itself would have been a good one. However, that is not where we propose to stop. We will be producing the new and enlarged ACB Braille Forum every other month, and we'll be producing a second magazine that will appear in the month that the ACB Braille Forum does not. This magazine will be produced in electronic form and will not be size limited. It will be available as a web Braille file on Bard, and we firmly believe as an audio download from Bard as well. You can receive a copy of the new magazine by email, and in addition to all these places where you can find it, the ACB Braille Forum and our new magazine will both be available through NFB Newsline, thanks to the good auspices of the NFB and state library systems who support it. For now, we are calling the other publication the ACB E Forum. We fully agree about the importance of providing our literature in Braille, and seek to ensure that all materials sent out in hard copy are available in all formats. In making the decision to provide an electronic form that is not size limited, we saw this as an opportunity to give readers more information and a wider variety of articles. Denise Colley, Chairperson, ACB Board of Publications, Lacey, Washington. Here and there. Edited by Sharon Strakowski. The announcement of products and services in this column does not represent an endorsement by the American Council of the Blind, its officers, or staff. Listings are free of charge for the benefit of our readers. The ACB Braille Forum cannot be held responsible for the reliability of the products and services mentioned. To submit items for this column, send a message to s l o v e r i n g at acb dot org. Or phone the national office at one eight hundred four two four eight six six six, and leave a message in Sharon Lovering's mailbox. Information must be received at least two months ahead of publication date. NASA seeks interns. NASA has internships for high school students and for rising college freshmen through doctoral students in STEM fields. Applicants must be U.S. citizens. With a minimum GPA of 2.8 for college and 3.0 for high school, high school students must be at least 16 at the time the internship begins. Students can apply for summer 2014 internships starting on November 1st. The deadline for submitting applications is March 14, 2014. Apply early because the best opportunities are likely to be filled early. To apply, 
register for an account and look for internships anytime at the One Stop Shopping Initiative, OSSI. NASA Internships, Fellowships, and Scholarships, NIFS, at http colon slash slash intern.nasa.gov slash. Students who are selected for summer internships will receive an offer letter by email sometime after February 3, 2014. They will then have five days to accept or reject the offer through their OSSI NIFS account. The offer will automatically expire after five days if no action is taken. Where are opportunities located? They are at NASA centers and field installations all over the country. Ames Research Center, Moffett Federal Airfield, Mountain View, California. Dryden Flight Research Center, Edwards Air Force Base, Los Angeles County, California. Glenn Research Center, Cleveland, Ohio. Goddard Institute for Space Studies, New York, New York. Goddard Space Flight Center, Greenbelt, Maryland. Independent Verification and Validation Facility, Fairmont, West Virginia. Jet Propulsion Laboratory, Pasadena, California. Johnson Space Center, Houston, Texas. Kennedy Space Center, Merritt Island, Florida. Langley Research Center, Hampton, Virginia. Marshall Space Flight Center, Huntsville, Alabama. Michou Assembly Facility, New Orleans, Louisiana. NASA Headquarters, Washington, D.C. NASA Shared Services Center at Stennis Space Center, Mississippi. Stennis Space Center, near Bay St. Louis, Mississippi. Wallops Flight Facility, Wallops Island, Virginia. White Sands Complex, Las Cruces, New Mexico. And White Sands Test Facility, Las Cruces, New Mexico. For more information, or if you need assistance, contact Kenneth A. Silberman, Esquire, at 301-286-9281, or via email, k-e-n-n-e-t-h dot a dot s-i-l-b-e-r-m-a-n at nasa dot gov. NLS releases app for your iDevices. The National Library Service for the Blind and Physically Handicapped, NLS, recently released an app that will allow those registered with NLS to download audio and Braille books to their iPhone, iPad, or iPod Touch. It is called the Braille and Audio Reading Download, BARD, mobile app, and it is available through Apple's App Store. It is free to download. Access to BARD is provided through local cooperating libraries. BARD contains nearly 50,000 books, magazines, and music scores in audio and Braille formats, with new selections added daily. Envision's Award Winners Envision recently presented two awards at its conference in Minneapolis. August Collenbrander, M.D., Ph.D., an affiliate senior scientist of the Smith-Kettlewell Eye Research Institute in San Francisco, received the Envision Oculus Award. Alex Bowers, M.C., optometrist, Ph.D., an assistant scientist and assistant professor with the Sheppens Eye Research Institute in Boston, received the Envision Award in Low Vision Research. The Envision Oculus Award is presented to individuals or organizations whose efforts in professional collaboration, advocacy, research, or education have had a significant national or international impact on people who are blind or low vision. Dr. Colin Brander was nominated by a colleague who cited his outstanding contributions in the field of low vision education, organization, and research, 
and described him as always being ready and willing to support young researchers through advice and active contributions with a wide international network of collaborators. Dr. Bowers, who presented a research abstract entitled The Effects of Age and Vision Impairment on Scanning and Detection at Intersections during Envision Conference 2013, is an optometrist with a Ph.D. in vision rehabilitation from Glasgow Caledonian University in Scotland, where she evaluated the effects of vision impairment and magnifiers on reading. Jewish Guild, Lighthouse International, Merge Jewish Guild Healthcare and Lighthouse International have announced plans to join forces and operate as one organization under the new name Lighthouse Guild International. Together, the merged organization will offer the broadest array and most comprehensive scope of services currently available for people who are blind, visually impaired, or multiply disabled, ranging from physical and mental health to rehabilitation, long-term care, and education. The organization will be governed by a 41-member board of directors led by James M. Dubin, chairman, and Joseph A. Ripp, vice chairman. All current members of the boards of Jewish Guild Healthcare and Lighthouse International will join the newly constituted board. How does a castle work? National Braille Press has recently released Castle, How It Works, in contracted Braille and in a print and Braille format, too. It's written for ages 5 to 10 and tells all about castles and why they were built the way they were. For more information on this book, visit www.nbp.org slash ic slash nbp slash bc1310 hyphen castle dot html or call 1-800-548-7323. Beginner's Guide to Echolocation The Beginner's Guide to Echolocation for the Blind and Visually Impaired by Tim Johnson is a guidebook that helps clarify what it means to echolocate, realize the benefits of using echolocation, and how easy it is to learn, as well as put into practice with easy-to-follow, step-by-step lessons. The Beginner's Guide to Echolocation for the Blind and Visually Impaired is available in audiobook, Kindle, paperback, large print, or accessible ebook formats. For more information, visit www.humanecho.com. L-O-C-A-T-I-O-N dot com. As I See It As I See It, From a Blind Man's Perspective, Revised Edition, is Robert Branco's newest book. In it, he discusses a wide variety of issues, including legislation, discrimination, employment, myths about blindness, and adaptive technology. This second edition includes two dozen new essays on website accessibility, relationships, Beat Baseball, Personal Care Issues, and much more. For more information, visit www.dvorkin.com slash r-o-b-e-r-t-b-r-a-n-c-o slash. High-Tech Swap Shop For sale, Power Braille 81 Braille Display Includes AC Adapter and Parallel Cable Asking $200. Lenovo ThinkPad T60 Laptop. Comes with Windows XP Professional. Asking $175. Zoom H1 Digital Recorder with Accessories. Windscreen for Internal Mic. 2GB SD Card. USB Cable and Tripod. $90. BrailleSense Plus.
includes carrying case, AC adapter, latest firmware, braille command summary, and neck strap. Asking $1,000. Unlocked Motorola W370 cell phone. Comes with carrying case and AC adapter. Asking $40. All prices include shipping to Canada and the U.S. I accept PayPal and money orders. Call Dave at 519-669-1456 or email dvm975 at gmail.com if interested. For sale. Older Talking Diabetes Meter. AccuCheck VoiceMate 0009221. No strips. Free. 17-inch laptop backpack. Asking $20. Two voice announce 9900 CW Talking Call Waiting Caller ID. Asking $20 each or $30 for both. Two Dymo tape labelers. Asking $5 each or $8 for both. GE Digital Talking Message System. Asking $20. Two older CCTVs. One recently serviced Aladdin Genie with foot switch pedal and 21-inch CRT monitor. Asking $250. Also a Cube CCTV metal camera stand that a 13-inch JVC CRT sits on. Asking $250. Your check or money order must clear before shipping. Email anthony at aa7kv at att.net or call him at 405-225-1363. For sale or donation. Optelec Clearview Plus Magnifier. Make offer. Will donate with payment for shipping. Telex Professor Plays Radio, CD, Daisy, etc. Make offer or will donate with payment for shipping. Contact Peter Brown at 571-217-6736 or via email pbrown186 at cox.net. Wanted. Victor Reader Pro CD Player. Contact b-a-r-n-e-s-j at w-a-b-a-s-h dot e-d-u or phone James Barnes at 765 361 6319. Wanted to buy. Original Braille Scrabble game produced in the 1970s. Must be in excellent condition. Contact Mary Cozy via email mkozy at sbcglobal.net or call her at 847-659-1897. ACB Officers President Kim Charlson, first term, 2015, 57 Grandview Avenue, Watertown, Massachusetts, 02472. First Vice President, Jeff Tom, first term, 2015, 7414 Mooncrest Way, Sacramento, California, 95831-4046. Second Vice President, Marlena Lieberg. First term, 2015. 15100-6th Avenue Southwest, Unit 728, Burien, Washington, 98166. Secretary. Ray Campbell. First term, 2015. 460 Rain Tree Court, Number 3K, Glen Ellen, Illinois, 60137. Treasurer. Carla Rushevel. 
second term, 2015. 148 Vernon Avenue, Louisville, Kentucky, 40206. Immediate past president, Mitch Pomerantz, 1115 Cordova Street, number 402, Pasadena, California, 91106. ACB Board of Directors, Burrow Collie, Lacey, Washington, final term, 2016. Sarah Conrad, Stevensville, Michigan, first term, 2016. Janet Dickelman, St. Paul, Minnesota, first term, 2014. Michael Garrett, Missouri City, Texas, final term, 2016. George Holliday, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, first term, 2014. John McCann, Falls Church, Virginia, first term, 2016. Alan Peterson, Horace, North Dakota, first term, 2014. Patrick Sheehan, Silver Spring, Maryland, first term, 2014. Dan Spoon, Orlando, Florida, first term, 2016. David Trott, Talladega, Alabama, first term, 2014. Ex officio, Denise Colley, Lacey, Washington. ACB Board of Publications. Denise Colley, Chairman, Lacey, Washington. First term, 2015. Ron Brooks, Phoenix, Arizona. First term, 2015. Marsha Dresser, Reading, Massachusetts. Final term, 2014. Judy Jackson, Miami, Florida. Final term, 2014. Doug Powell, Falls Church, Virginia, first term, 2014. End of side three.